And uh, partway through their lesson this morning, they're going to be taking a little field trip to a different room in the building. So you might see a crowd of energetic, excited children running through the sanctuary to get to this room over here. They've, they don't know it yet, but there's something waiting on the inside. That's why the doors are shut and the lamps are closed. So part of their lesson this morning is to just excuse the interruption and treat it like a cute little parade through the middle of my message help pass the time. Why don't we stand again? Sorry to have you sit and stand and stand and sit. We're going to go to the word of the Lord this morning. I'm turning to Acts chapter 1. Turn with me there, Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. I'm thankful for the presence of God. I'm thankful for the word of God. And also Romans chapter 14 and verse number 7. We're going to start with Romans 14 this morning and then we'll transition over Acts chapter 1. Romans 14 and 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Turning to Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Praise God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I praise you, Lord, and I trust you. you're going to speak through me. Let your word go forth and produce exactly the kind of fruit that you want it to produce, Lord, this morning. I pray you touch every person listening. They'd be responsive to your word, Lord God. And I pray that your word would go forth with signs following. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing as we read the word of the Lord. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I love that word, and. It's, it's a continual word. It, it uh, connects things together. You know, peanut butter and jam. As if peanut butter wasn't good enough, you needed to add something else to it. Um, and often that's the case, you know, you need a little bit of sweet with the savory, right? It's, uh, it's that and uh, that, that's so nice. My kids love that word and, especially when, when I, they ask what's for supper and I tell them something boring like squash soup and they, then they go and, <laughs> squash soup and, and, okay, well, yeah, we might have some bread with cheese on it, okay, okay and... What's, what's for dessert, right? They want to know what that and is, that, that what was given is in, it, it, there's something else, right? And so uh, it, it's inclusive. It's a package, right? We want the and. And uh, that verse we read here this morning is that the kingdom of God is not what we eat and drink. It's not the, the things that we can consume. It's not the things that we can get for ourselves, but it is righteousness and peace 
and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, the, the word righteousness means to be in right standing with God. Another biblical word is justified. Justified, made just or right in the sight of God. Righteousness is a quality that isn't something you can, you can achieve, really. It's, it's one of those unachievable things. You, you can't really do enough good things to be considered righteous in the eyes of God. Because the Bible tells us in Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So is anyone righteous? The Bible even asks that question. Is anyone righteous? And the, the, the answer is given, no, no, there is no one righteous. So, so right away, Romans is letting you know that, that the kingdom of God is unattainable. You can't get there. The kingdom of God is righteousness. And so if you're not righteous, you're not in the kingdom. If you're not sinless, well, you're, you're considered out of the kingdom. If you don't have that, that stamp of God's approval of being right before him, if there is something in your life, and there is, all have sinned, everyone's messed up, made a mistake, come short of God's standard, come short of God's glory. And, and I've said it many times, sin gets a bad rap, but really sin just means you've missed the mark. It's the, the mark was set, the bar was set, but you, you missed the mark. You, you're like that pole vaulter that, that vaulted over and knocked the bar off the, the vault or missed it altogether. You went under the bar. You know, like the, the, the goal was set, the target was, was placed, but man has failed to hit the nail on the proverbial head. And so is anyone righteous? No, no one is righteous. Well, the, the kingdom of God is also peace. And uh, despite what they're going to sing during Christmas time, uh, peace will probably not be on the earth. And we'll, we'll sing those songs too, right? Right? And we'll, uh, I'm going to get on my little soapbox. Okay, this is just me. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to not like this song. If you like this song, I'm not trying to ruin it for you, but there's this one particular Christmas song. Christmas decorations are up, so I'm talking about Christmas songs already. But what do you? So, but there's this one, and it's it's my grown-up Christmas list. And I know people probably like it. It's it's you know, someone's talking about they sat on Santa's knee a long time ago. They used to ask for toys, but this is my grown-up Christmas list. And let there be peace on the earth, and and joy and harmony. And and I I believe that, but Santa can't give you. He can't give you peace on the earth. The, the world cannot provide the peace that, that is required to, to, to uh, uh, bring calmness and unity between people and groups. You just have to open your, your, your news app to find that peace is not on the earth. And even though treaties have been signed and agreements have been made, those agreements and treaties have been broken time and time and time again. And I'm not trying to be a bearer of bad news this morning, but I don't have any hope in peace being on the earth apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't see how you can have peace without the Prince of Peace. 
And so if the Prince of Peace isn't ruling in your life, then, then you can sign all the agreements. You can mark all the treaties. You can, you can write down all the promises you want and ban all the guns. And I'm not saying any of that is necessarily bad. I'm just saying it's probably not going to, to, to work. It's futile without Jesus in your life producing that peace because the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, right standing before God. It's peace and it's joy. The problem is our world is on a constant pursuit of happiness and forgetting about the value of joy. Happiness is something that is related to the circumstance you're in. It's related to the now. It's related to the moment. Why do you think there's so much sugar in your food? Why do you think there's so much salt in a bag of chips? It's there to make you feel happy. It's there to, to release the hormones. Why, why do you think people talk and sing about happiness if you know that happiness is the truth? Because I want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And that's catchy, man. It's like one of those earworms. It gets in your ear and you cannot get it out. My kids come home saying, I want to be happy. Want to be happy? Come along if you know that happiness is the truth. Well, happiness isn't the truth. I'm sorry to burst your musical bubble. I'm, I'm bursting all the bubbles this morning. Man, I'm, I'm on a roll. It, it, happiness is not the pursuit of life. Happiness is based on a moment. But joy, joy lasts. Joy is last. Do you know the difference between happiness and joy? It's the difference between crossing another level on your video game or winning a marathon. Because you can, you can, you can achieve something. Zachary asked me this the other day. They, they get some screen time during the week, and he's playing an old game I used to love playing as a kid called Roller Coaster Tycoon. I don't know if any of you ever played that as a kid. That was my, that was my jam, man. That was my game after school, after my homework was done, Roller Coaster Tycoon. That was my thing, and he's playing it now. It's on my computer, and he gets he loves playing it on his screen time. He says, Daddy, what do you win when, when you build the best roller coaster? I said, well, you, you, get a little, you get a little digital ward that appears in the screen, and the, the little tiny people in your, in your park look up at you, and they clap. And that's it. That, that's it. That, when that's over, you move on. He said, well, I'm going to build the next park. I said, you do that. That's fine. That's... That's happiness. It gives you a little endorphin boost. But if you, if you do a marathon, if you build something, if you paint a picture, studies show that those kinds of things produce not so much happiness, but they produce joy. Joy is something that is long-lasting. Happiness is the result of a candy bar. Joy is the result of, of a healthy diet that, that gives you not an immediate boost of happiness, but a long arc of joy and pleasure. What are you babbling on about, Pastor, this morning? I'm talking to you about what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. But there's only one place that you can find those things and it's not in the world it's not in the pursuits of this life it's not in the promises of what a government might give you it's not in in the pursuit of some kind of dream or or or, or imagination of this world but the the kingdom of god brings you righteousness peace and joy i can't have righteousness without god 
I cannot attain the perfect. I can't do enough good things. You can't do enough good works to earn righteousness. The Bible talks about righteousness being imputed. Means being placed on you despite what you have done for yourself. Where do we find that righteousness? We find that righteousness in the washing away of our sins. That's why Jesus came to the earth. He came in order to to live perfectly. He was the only perfect man. He was the only perfect individual that perfectly adhered to the law of God. And then he took the punishment of our lawlessness on himself and died on a cross so that we could have faith in him and entrust our, our salvation to him. And he would put his righteousness on us. Last week we talked about baptism and how baptism, like Paul said in Galatians 4, is like putting on a new pair of clothes. When you're baptized into Christ, you put on Jesus Christ. And he literally covers you in a robe of his righteousness. He covers you in his right record. He takes his record of doing everything perfectly before God and puts it on your record. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're inserted into Christ, in him. You're in him. He is now uh, uh, on and covering your life. But, but it's not enough for you to just be in Christ. You've got to have Christ in you. It's not just a matter of having Christ on you, his name on you, his, his blood on you, his, his covering over your life, but you've also got to have Christ in you. Now, pardon the interruption. The kids are taking a little field trip. They're, they're going quickly. You can just watch them and wave at them as they go. Choo-choo. It's, it's the kid train. Our Sunday school teachers are doing a great job. They're keeping things interesting for them, right? The Holy Ghost is Christ in you. And there's righteousness in the Holy Ghost. When you have the Holy Ghost, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, God's righteousness is on you, but it's also in you. There's righteousness in the Holy Ghost. When you have the Holy Ghost in your life, now that righteousness isn't just covering you on the outside, but it's working on the inside. It does a transformative work on the inside. When you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, as the Spirit gives you the utterance, here's the good news, that the same Spirit that was in Christ is now in you. That same power that was in him that raised him from the dead is also in you. That thing that brought him back to life, uh, that restored him from his crucified state is now on the inside of you and bringing the dead things in you back to life. John chapter 3, Jesus looking at a man by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Many have speculated why that was, but I think it was out of respect. Nicodemus was doing it out of respect for Jesus. You see, in the collective culture, if you approach somebody publicly to ask them questions, it was perceived not as an opportunity to learn, but as an opportunity to criticize. Often when Jesus is questioned by the Pharisees, it's not in a positive light. It's in a, it's in a negative perspective. It's in a negative light because they're, they're not asking to learn. They're asking to criticize and to trip him up. So in order to avoid mis- being misunderstood, Nicodemus finds Jesus at night and says, Teacher, 
you are a teacher come from God and, and we know that God is in you. So, so would you explain some things to me? Would you explain to me what you're teaching? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't see it. He can't perceive it. He can't understand it. He can't know it. He can't be a part of it. He can't attain to it. He can't even enter into that same kingdom. John 3, 35, uh, 3 and 5, Jesus said to him again, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You need both parts of that new birth experience to see and to enter into God's kingdom. You need, you need water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Spirit to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And one doesn't come without the other. When you get righteousness right standing before God, the anxiety, the stress, the, 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 uh, the worry of being out of God's will is gone because now you're at peace. Your sins have been atoned for. Your mistakes have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And that peace gives you a, 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 an absence of war or struggle. And then that, that, that production of peace in your life produces joy. Joy doesn't mean you always have a smile on your face, but you got some undergirding strength that's going to carry you through the rough times and through the tough times, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Jesus said, you can't do this unless you're born of the water and of the Spirit. In Acts 2.37, Peter preaches a message to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. He preaches to them and basically ends his message with, and you have crucified the Messiah. He leaves it in their hands. You this, this is the moment you guys have been waiting for all your lives. And you put the very man you've been waiting for to death on a cross by the hands of the Romans. No greater amount of shame was laid on the hearts of those people than they felt that day. Because the person that they had been praying for, fasting for, waiting for, had come and they had crucified him in the most brutal possible way anyone could ever die. And the Bible says that they were pricked in their hearts. There was conviction that gripped their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What is our response to this moment that we have missed? And Peter said unto them, Start with repenting. Start with turning back to God. Start with turning your attention to God and acknowledging what you've done and, and asking him to forgive you. And then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. The word remission there was pulled into the English language from the Greek language. But it means the forgiveness of your sins. The literal definition of the word remission is washing away or forgiveness. Every other time that word is translated in the New Testament, it's often predominantly translated not as remission, but as forgiveness. Because when you're baptized in Jesus' name, it's then that your sins are covered and forgiven. And then the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift, 
the gift, the, the thing that does not cost you anything, the thing that is freely given and freely received. Uh, and this gift is the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, that will come into your life and will be that guide, will be that strength, will be that light inside of you to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. After meeting with Cornelius, the Roman, who received the Holy Ghost, Peter tells them the story of the Jewish, to, to his Jewish brethren, and he tells them what happened to Cornelius and his brothers. And, and Peter is telling the rest of the Jews, he says, you know, these, these Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. And no doubt he got a big re reaction from his fellow Jewish brethren. What do you mean these Gentiles received the Holy Ghost? How do you know that they received the Holy Ghost? And Peter said to them, he said that, that, that when we heard them speaking in other tongues, we knew they had received the Holy Ghost in their heart and in their soul. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that they were all speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. In Acts chapter 8, a man by the name of Simon watched John, or I'm sorry, watched Philip the evangelist preaching and, and praying for people. Philip would go up to someone who was sick. He would lay hands on him, and the man would become well. Philip would go up to someone who was demon-possessed. He would point his finger at him and say, In Jesus' name, come out, and the demon would leave. This is what Acts 8 is telling us. And then Philip would get up and preach about baptism. And many people would come to the waters and say, can I be baptized in Jesus' name so my sins can be washed away? And Philip would baptize them. Simon, who was a sorcerer, a witch of sorts, even came up to Philip and said, man, this is amazing. You're praying for people and they're getting healed. You're, you're baptizing them. I want to be baptized too. And he, he baptized them in Jesus' name. But something was missing. Philip sent word down to Jerusalem. He said, we need some help, guys. I'm, I'm baptizing people in Jesus' name. I'm praying for people and they're getting healed. I'm praying for others and they're being delivered from demonic oppression and possession. But nobody is receiving the Holy Ghost. Would you send down to me Peter and John and bring them over here to help pray some of these brothers through to the gift of the Holy Ghost? Now, if the Holy Ghost was something that you simply automatically received upon baptism. And if the Holy Ghost is something you just automatically receive upon praying and repenting of your sins, then, then, then surely there'd be no need to call Peter and John down from Jerusalem to, to uh, um, where Philip was preaching in Samaria and, and say, come and pray for these guys to receive the Holy Ghost. Surely if, if the Holy Ghost was an automatic blessing from God. As soon as you repent, you receive the gift of the Spirit. You don't need to speak in tongues. It's just God gives it to you. Boom. You pray, you receive the Spirit. Boom, like that. Then what would be the need to call Peter and John down to pray for these brethren to receive the Spirit? In fact, the Bible says that when they, they came, the Bible says in verse 15, who then they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. They actually laid hands on these people in Samaria and prayed for them to receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 16 says, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. 
indicating that there was a, another experience that these Samaritans had not yet received. They had been born again of the water, but there was something else they had not yet received, and that was being born again of the Spirit. And then the Bible proceeds to tell the story. They, verse 17, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. There was something that took place when Peter and John laid hands on these individuals. And the Bible says they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says, when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now this is strange to me. Simon has seen Philip lay hands on crippled people and they get up and start walking. He's seen him lay hands on, on terminally ill people and they immediately get out of bed and are healed. He's seen them pray for those who were demonically possessed with demons and spirits in their life and they were instantly delivered. But the only thing he asked for a transfer of that he would pay for was for people to receive the Holy Ghost. Something happened to the people that Peter and John laid hands on them. Something happened to them when they received the Holy Ghost that was so significant to Simon that he was willing to pay money for. He didn't ask for the gifts of healing. He didn't ask for the gifts of deliverance. He didn't ask to raise people from the dead. What he asked for and what he tried to pay for was the ability to lay hands on someone and they receive the Holy Spirit because something transpired in their life that was remarkable. In Acts chapter 10, it was confirmed that this very thing that takes place when someone receives the Holy Ghost is they speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. They speak in a language they've never heard, they've never understood, they've never learned, and they speak in it for the first time in a language they've never learned before. In Acts chapter 19, Paul greets a group of, of former disciples of John the Baptist. Do you remember John? He was the crazy guy that ate grasshoppers, locusts, dipped in honey, wore camel's hair, and stood by the river preaching out in the open, calling people to be baptized unto repentance. They called him Crazy John, maybe, potentially. Because he was, he was rather different and fanatical. And there was a group of people that followed him. They were called John's disciples. And even though John had passed the baton on to Jesus, these disciples remained faithful and loyal to John for a long period of time, even after Jesus was crucified. And Paul runs into these lads in Ephesus. And he greets them and he says, Hey, Good to see you guys. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they responded in verse 2 of Acts 19, and they said, we didn't even know there was such a thing called the Holy Ghost. And he said, okay, well, how were you baptized? And, and they said, well, we were baptized unto John's baptism. And Paul said, no problem, guys. John baptized unto repentance. What you have is legit. It's valid. It's good. But you need to take it a step further, fellas, and you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a change 
in, in, in direction here, guys. You, you, you need to just amend some things and, and add on to the experience you've had. You need to get rebaptized in Jesus' name. And then the Bible says when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, nowhere in the Bible do you see anyone praying for tongues. Nobody's praying for the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is something completely different. It's totally different. In fact, it's not even called the gift of tongues. It's called the gift of the diversity of tongues. In other words, God takes the tongue that he gave you when you received the Holy Ghost, and he divides it and diversifies it and expands it. That gift was resident in my family when my great great, help me mom, great, 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 great grandfather, three greats, great, great, great grandfather, walked into a Pentecostal church in St. Paul, Minnesota. And the preacher who was Persian, Andrew D. Urshan, speaking his message in English, abruptly stopped preaching in English and began to speak in the native tongue of my grandfather, which was Swedish. And spoke in perfect Swedish, unbroken, unaccented by his own Persian-Iranian upbringing. And spoke in perfect Swedish to my grandfather and said to him, This is the truth. Walk in it. Stopped speaking in Swedish, went back to English, and continued his message. My grandfather, thinking, well, this is interesting, went up to the man after the service and began speaking in Swedish to him, greeted him in Swedish, and thought, he knows me, he knows I was Swedish, and he was telling me to come to this church because he thinks it preaches the truth. I wanted to find out more. So he begins to talk to him in Swedish, and Brother Urshan waves his hands, no, sorry, I don't speak Swedish. And the confused look on my grandfather's face as he discovers that God used the gift of diversity of tongues to reach him and pull him in to the truth. Pull him in to something that he, he would have been praying. See, what Brother Urshan didn't know is that my grandfather had been praying God would lead him to the church that preaches the truth about his word. And he had been praying and fasting and seeking God. He had been kicked out of his own family because he himself had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was way back before, I think, before many people were receiving the Holy Ghost on a widespread scale. And, and, and his family kicked him out of their home and said, you're not welcome here if you're going to pray in that weird language. You, you, can't, you can't be part of this family. So they immigrated to America. And that's, that was the beginning of his search. But he found out that this was the place where God's truth was being preached about receiving the Holy Ghost. But never once did he pray in tongues or pray for tongues, I mean. He didn't ask God to help him speak in tongues. He simply prayed and God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost because it's a gift. It's a gift. It's free. It's something you don't have to earn. It's something you don't have to, to, to work for. It's something you don't have to, to make perfect. It's, it's a free gift that God gives to you. And the evidence how you know you've received that gift is when you begin to speak in other tongues. But pastor, how do I receive the gift. How do I receive the Holy Ghost? The one, one thing we know we need is faith. Because 
Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You've got to have faith that God is going to give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. The next thing you need to understand is the Holy Ghost is a gift. It's a gift. It's not something you have to jump up and down for. Sometimes you, you, may, you, you may never have had this experience, but you can get into a Pentecost altar and someone can get really excited, really excited that you're praying to receive the Holy Ghost. And, and those of you that have had this experience will know what I'm talking about, that one person's talking in your ear saying, okay, hold on, just hold on. And the other person's praying for you on the other side. Oh, just let go, just let go. <laughs> they mean well. They're, they're doing what they think is right, but man, that can be confused. Hold on, let go. What, what am I? It's a gift. How do you receive a gift? It's also a promise, by the way. This isn't something that's a gift for some people and not others. Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. This is the promise of God. This is God's promise. And God will in no wise neglect to fulfill his promise to you. In fact, the Bible goes so far as to say that if God lies, if he does not tell the truth, if he does not speak truth, then the whole universe will come unglued because everything is held together by the very word of God. So if God makes a promise, he has to keep his end of the bargain. Why, why, why do we say all this? Why do we talk about this? Because it helps your mindset. When you're praying to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you enter that, that, that time of prayer with confidence. Your word, Father, says that this is a promise you've sent and poured out upon all flesh. In fact, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter quotes this on the day of Pentecost. He says, and this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days shall come to pass, thank God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Not some flesh, not a certain color of flesh, not a certain ethnicity of flesh, not a certain education raised kind of flesh. No, I'm going to pour it out upon all flesh. And, and, and it's not related even to age because sons and daughters are going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and young men are going to see visions and old men are going to dream dreams. It's going to be across the board. It's going to break every ethnic barrier. It's going to create, uh, break every uh, age barrier. It's going to break every religious barrier. It's going to all flesh. Uh, it's for the Muslim. It's for the Hindu. It's, it's for the Buddhist. Uh, it's for the, uh, the, the, the agnostic, for the atheist. Uh, it's upon all flesh. God is going to pour out his spirit. And everybody's eligible to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God won't hold it back either. So how do I receive it? Well, you have faith. You have confidence. He's promised it. And then Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. How much do you want something? Well, you ask for it is level one. Level two, you didn't get it when you asked. Are you seeking for it? Is it a part of your daily prayer life? 
Is it a part of your waking up in the morning? God, today's the day I believe you're going to give me the Holy Ghost because in your word, you promised it to me. You said it was a gift. You said you were going to give it to me. So God, I rest on your promises that you're going to give me the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then you knock for it. Father, today, here I am to receive the Holy Ghost. And How much do you desire to receive it? You don't have to wait for a special service for someone to lay their hands on you while well, that that is helpful and that is beneficial and that is biblical it's not always mandatory you can receive the Holy Ghost in your bathtub you can receive your Holy Ghost on the road I was pre I was helping out at a junior camp many many years ago and a little boy came up to the altar and reached his hands and tears running down his face he's praying and worshiping the Lord but never spoke in tongues and in frustration he threw his hands down to his side and stormed out of the church building building and walked onto the grass just outside the, the little church building, well, the big tabernacle down there at Orland Campgrounds. And I ran after him because I knew this boy had been praying for the Holy Ghost all week. And I went up to him and I said, do you believe God is everywhere? He said, yes. I said, do you believe God can fill you with the Holy Ghost right here in the middle of this field? He said, well, well, actually, yes, I do. I said, then lift your hands and receive it. And he lifted his hands and began to speak in other tongues. A little boy, no more than 12 years old received the Holy Ghost in the middle of a grassy field outside of the church building because God isn't limited to the four walls of a church building. You can receive the Holy Ghost right where you're seated. It would be the best thing and the best compliment to any messenger or anything preaches that while the preaching is going, you receive that spirit of faith. Lift your hands right while you're sitting there and the preaching is going and just receive the Holy Ghost like they did in Acts 10 because the Bible says while Peter was yet speaking to them while he was preaching the Holy Ghost fell on them and they received it they interrupted his message and received the Holy Ghost right then and there why because you don't necessarily need someone to lay their hands on you you just need faith and assurance in your heart this is mine it's a promise it's a gift and God is going to give it to me here's another thing when you speak in another language in English, we, we generally speak in sentences. You know, Garfield, they're having trouble with the audio. If you could help them with that. They're struggling with that Zoom audio. Thank you. When you speak in another language, some languages are not as articulate as English. Brother Billy Cole was a missionary to Thailand. And he said that... In Thailand, in Thai, you can say things with the inflection of a voice. You can say, la, and it means, in English, you would translate that into a few words. You can say, la, and then, you know, get a little inflection, and you're saying something totally different. You go, la, or then you combine a couple of those things together. And you can put a whole phrase together in English if you were to translate it. So he said, sometimes people have come down to the altar and think they have to speak in long, tongue-like sentences. They hear someone speaking in tongues, and that person is very fluent. They're, very, they're flowing in the Holy Ghost, and there is a long, they're praying so what seems to be a long message in tongues to the Lord. And they think, well, I didn't speak like that, so I guess I didn't receive the Holy Ghost. But if you say one word in a language you've never spoken before while in prayer, 
then that's no more speaking in other tongues as it is speaking along. I've heard of people, I, when I received the Holy Ghost, I, I spoke in tongues for two hours. I go, my goodness, that's wonderful. I don't think, I was six. I don't think I spoke that very much in tongues. But it was enough. It was enough to let me know I had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because again, it's a gift. It's about your mindset. When you come, it's a promise. If you can just tell yourself, tell your flesh and every voice that's pushing up against you, this is a promise. God keeps his promises. It's a gift. God gives good gifts to those who ask him. So God, I repent of my sins and I begin to thank you and I praise you. When I receive a gift, I often say something like, thank you for giving me that gift. So what I encourage people to do when they're praying for the Holy Ghost is just start saying, thank you, Lord, for promising to give me the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me on the cross. I feel the Holy Ghost while I'm saying that. I've already got the Holy Ghost, but something on the inside of me lifts while I say that because when I begin to thank him and praise him and lift him up, the Bible says I build a throne in my life for him to sit on because he inhabits, he sits upon the praises of his people. So when you praise him, you're building him a throne to sit on. When you lift him up, you're bringing, building him a, a house to, to live in and to dwell in. When you give yourself totally over to him, you're surrendering yourself. Jesus, I give myself completely to you. I surrender my tongue to you. I surrender my mind to you. I surrender my heart to you. Jesus, I'm yours. I belong to you. Lord, if this is, I've even heard people pray like this. God, I've heard pastor preach about receiving the Holy Ghost. If this really is you, would you just let me speak in other tongues? And I've heard testimony after testimony of people praying it one way or another, but God giving them the Holy Ghost. So, but pastor, when I come down to the altar, I don't always, I, I haven't yet received it. That's why Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. If you really want something, how far are you willing to go to get what you want from God? Moreover, how much confidence do you have in him to be faithful, to fulfill the promise he made? The onus is not on you. The onus is on him. He's the one that gives the gift. But how much do you desire the gift he's willing to give? And you ask, and you seek, and you knock. God will fill. You can be sitting because they were sitting in the book of Acts when they received it. You can be standing. You can be lying down on your bed. You can be standing in a shower. You can be relaxing on your sofa. You can be standing at this altar. Or you could be sitting in your seat where you're seated this morning. Nobody needs to lay their hands on you while that is helpful. And that can encourage someone and support them in their prayer. God can give you the Holy Ghost because it's something that's activated by faith. Would you stand with me this morning and would you just lift your hands and begin to pray and talk to the Lord? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I loose the gift of faith upon these people today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
Lord, that you'd impart faith to them. Lord, for those who are seeking for the gift of the Holy Ghost, that they would receive it because you have promised it. It is a promise. We don't have to tarry for it. We don't have to work for it. But we can simply receive it with a thank you. With a, I receive it, Lord. It's, it's something that you give freely. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you pour out your spirit upon all flesh this morning? Well, Lord, would you fulfill your word that says sons and daughters would prophesy. Young men would see visions and old men dream dreams in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If this, if this is message is for you this morning, and I mean, when I say I'm not necessarily asking for you to embarrass yourself or, or get necessarily uncomfortable, but I find it sometimes helpful to pray together and come around the front and pray. Because we come, to, we come forward, we move out of our seat, we get a little out of our comfort zone. So would you, would you, if you're wanting prayer this morning, whether it's to be renewed in the Holy Ghost, whether it's to be strengthened by the Spirit of God, whether it's for healing in your body or strength, or to receive the Holy Ghost itself by the evidence of speaking of the tongues, would you come around this front and why don't we pray together? And if you see someone praying, why don't you just reach over and pray with them? God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost this morning. God wants to bless somebody this morning. God wants to touch somebody this morning. God wants to lift a burden that you've been carrying this morning and give you peace in your soul because it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need righteousness. You need forgiveness of your sins. You can find it in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need peace this morning. The, 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 the temperature of your life is too hot and the, the sea of your life is troubled. Maybe you just need peace. Or maybe you need joy this morning. Whatever it is you need from the Lord. Would you come and pray and talk to the Lord this morning as we sing in Jesus' name. Blessed Savior, hallelujah, hear my humble cry. That's it. Just talk to the Lord this morning. Worship Him. While on others thou art calling, Lord, do not pass me by thank you jesus so i'm calling on savior blessed savior i want you to hear my humble cry while on others thou art call, calling, Lord, do not pass me by. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for faith and strength upon your people today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we receive the promise of your spirit. We receive the promise, God, of your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to be in us. Lord, I pray that you'd fill somebody today full and overflowing, God, or touch their faith and help them to believe your word and seek for it, Lord. Let us seek for your spirit, seek for your presence in our life. In the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, would you find someone to pray with, maybe seated right next to you? Would you just pray for the person beside you? Pray together. Put your hands on one another and the shoulder and just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, fill this person here with your spirit. Let them feel the touch of your spirit. Let them know you're with them, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Hallelujah.